good to see everyone this morning. We do have visitors with us. We want you to always know you're welcome. We want you to know that you are valuable to us. And most importantly, you are appreciated by the Lord for coming to worship Him this morning. This morning's lesson is entitled, The Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. And I know many of you perhaps have heard that song and thought of it. You see, the truth is, this time of the year, many are thinking about the birth of Christ. And the question is, how should we as Christians respond in a world in which many are asking questions, some perhaps asking questions of us? Why is it when we visit your services that you do not have the stage decorated with something like a nativity scene? Or why is it that perhaps you do not have a Christmas service? Why is it that you do not participate in a lot of things? And that question may arise in people's minds. And the question for us is, how do we respond to that? I want you to listen as we observe what Paul writes to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. For just a moment, think with me about what Paul says. See then that you walk circumspectly. That indicates that you and I have to be very careful how we walk. What it is we say, the way we respond to people. Because if you're not careful, you will look at people and say, we don't believe in that. And in their minds, they may think, you don't believe in the death or the birth of Jesus. You may look at people and they may say, are they really Christians? Do they really believe in Jesus, that he's the Christ, the son of the living God? You don't want to leave a wrong impression in their mind. At the same time, Jesus had told his disciples to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We have to be people who are capable of calculating how we respond and what we say to those people who may ask of us. And so Paul says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You only get one or two opportunities in life to meet certain people, and to make a profound impression upon them for the good of the Lord and for the good of His church. And if I'm only going to get those one or two opportunities, how will I respond to someone to be able to have an impact in their life? Making the most of those. In the parallel passage in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul would write, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Those who are outside of the body of Christ. Make sure that I conduct myself so that I'm able to reach them. And then he again says, redeeming the time. Use this opportunity. Well, if that's the case, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to use this opportunity. Because Christians have an ability to say, okay, now let's separate fact from fiction. Let's look at the Bible and let's study this topic. Let's study this subject and let's see what it says. Because you may find that it says something differently than perhaps what others have told you. 
It's also important to understand the difference between a religious observance, what God has told us to do when we gather together as a church, and from what we might do in our homes as a part of our personal opinions and personal preferences. You know, we celebrate our own birthdays, many of us do, in our homes, but we don't celebrate them as a part of the worship of God. And so for that reason, we take some time and try to make sure that we're going to do this. In Romans 14, 15, one person esteems one day above another and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. When it comes to personal opinions, personal preferences, let's be careful that we don't say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that when the person might do that personally. Now, in the Bible, it's always appropriate to teach the facts of the Bible, and that's what we're going to try to do this morning. Now, look back to that song, Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. That was my Grandma Bessie's favorite song. She used to sing it all the year. She'd sing it in July. She'd sing it in December. She'd sing it at night. She'd sing it in the morning. In fact, when I participated in my grandmother's funeral, my task was to lead the song, Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. That was so important, so precious to her. And the star of that starts out with the star from Matthew chapter 2, and that's produced a lot of curiosity. What was that star that the wise men saw, and how did it move, and how did it go over the land of Israel, and then later to over the city of Bethlehem? And when you and I start reading about that, there's a lot we don't know. And I'm thankful God hasn't revealed everything to us because we might become more fixated on the details of that rather than on the meaning of it. And some of what is written is not what people think today. And we're going to talk about the wise men and the manger here in just a moment. Now, we're also going to try to do something else in this lesson. We're going to talk about those people in the first century when Jesus was born, how they reacted to the message of his coming. We're going to talk about the wise men, how they sought Christ. They were looking for him. We'll talk about the chief priest and the scribes, how they ignored him. Then we'll talk about Herod, how he opposed him and actually would want to have killed him. And then finally... We'll look at Joseph and Mary, how they welcomed him into their lives and into their home. Let's begin. You need to open your Bibles. Let's read together for again from Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll pick up in verses 9 through 11. Listen carefully. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Oh, there's a lot in that. 
Drop down with me now to verses 9 through 11. Now, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you to notice a few details of what this says. After Jesus was born, if you're reading this passage, I guarantee you that there are people who have been telling you that uh, all this occurred the night Jesus was born. That's not what Matthew says. Matthew says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. It's not going to be but just a little bit. We're going to notice how the chief priests and the scribes are going to know the answer to that question. In the days of Herod the king, that's Herod the great. We're going to talk about Herod a little bit in a moment. But this is during his reign. They had come into the house. That's interesting. Because of those little scenes that you see, you'll often observe that there's three men and they're each carrying with them some sort of a present to present to the baby in the manger. But you know, that's not where he's at. He's not in a stable anymore. Because this is after he was born. He's now in a house. If you're very careful in reading Matthew chapter 2, here's what you learn. The wise men didn't come to Jesus the night he was born. They came after he was born. And they didn't come immediately. They saw a star in the east and they traveled for some way. They came to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem first. And then they go to Bethlehem and follow the star. This is not immediately. But then I want to concentrate on the word wise men. I remember when I was a teenager, I sang in our school chorus. And our choral director brought in some music about this time of the year. The title of the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, Bearing Gifts We Travel So Far, Field and Fountain, Morn and Mountain, Following Yonder Star. Yeah, I remember the words to it. Kings? No, they're not kings. The Greek word here is magoi. Magicians. In fact, it's found with regards to others in the Bible. You remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 2? The king gave a command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. This is a group of advisors, if you will. Yes, they're a part of the cabinet, if you will, the part of the ruling government. But they're advisors. Some of them look to the stars. That's why they're called astrologers. Some of them are sorcerers. That is because they would use various chemicals. 
But if you'll notice verse 10, the Chaldeans after the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, ruler has ever asked such a thing of a magi- any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. He said, you know, you're asking us to interpret, tell you the dream and interpret it. We don't have that ability. Daniel chapter 2, verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the king, secret which the king has demanded, the wise men and the astrologers and the soothsayers, they cannot declare to the king. That's who these men are, these wise men who've seen the star in the east. They are advisors. That's what makes them wise men. Interestingly, though, in the book of Acts, you go to Acts chapter 13, and you'll remember when Paul came to Paphos and he met the governor, Sergius Paulus, He was there trying to persuade the proconsul regarding the truth of the gospel. And he said they came to the island of Paphos and they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. The word translated sorcerer here is the word magus, magoi, the magician. He's an advisor to the proconsul. You get down to verse 8, but Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul from the faith. His advice was, is don't listen to these men. So when you talk about these men who've seen the star in the east, they know something is important. They're men who look up at the stars and they observe there's a star up there that is pointing somewhere about something that's important. Well, now, let's think about this. Wise men, perceptive men, men who are able to follow the star are able to still seek where Jesus is. But he's not in Bethlehem. And he's not in Jerusalem. In fact, he's not even here on earth at all. Jesus is no longer even in physical form. And you say, what do you mean by that? In John 7, in verses 33 through 36, Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I shall go to him who sent me, and you will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go among the dispersion of the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing he said, you will seek me, and where I am, you cannot come? In their minds, they didn't understand that Jesus was going to depart. But he's going to explain that. Later on in John chapter 14, in verses 1 through 6, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father except through me. I'm going back to prepare a place for you. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going where the Father is. And that's where I'm going to prepare a place 
for you. So the wise men sought him. Wise men still seek him. Wise men still follow the star. And I'm going to talk in a minute about that star of Bethlehem. That star that still shines on is now the scriptures. Let's talk about the chief priests and scribes for a minute. How they ignored him. Look with me now. Let's open your Bible back up. Let's look at verses 2 or verse 3 through 6. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not in not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here's interesting. They know the answer to Herod's question. And it says that they're all troubled about this. Herod's troubled, all Jerusalem's troubled. What does this mean? Well, they know where he's at. Micah 5 and verse 2 they quote that, blessed you, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And Lord, you're, you're going to be the one that's going to do this. Why there's no interest or enthusiasm on their part? Why is it when Herod says, where is the Christ going to be born? I want to go worship him. That these chief priests and scribes say, get behind us, we're going first. I can tell you why they're not interested. Because in their minds, Jesus presented a challenge to their power and their authority. They didn't care that it was the Christ, the Son of God. They cared about their power. Sounds a lot like politics in 2019. All people care about is the power, the glory that they have. And Do you see what happens with that? Look at Luke chapter two, 22, verse 2. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. They wanted to figure out a way to kill Jesus and yet not infuriate the people. Going back to chapter 9 and verse 22, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and killed and be raised the third day. So they chose to ignore him. Now, many people today have exactly the same attitude. There's still within so many people that idea that Jesus is the Christ. They show little interest or enthusiasm in Jesus other than what can he do for me? Oh, you hear people today will talk about their religious where will they be next Sunday morning? Where will they be two weeks from today? Will they be offering worship to God or not? The only time that some people show any passion is when they realize that their teachings are challenged by their, and 
his teachings challenges their behavior. You know, you let people say, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, you know, Jesus talks about people becoming drunk. Oh, well, let's not talk about alcohol. Jesus talks about morality in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And they, well, let's not talk about that. You see, the truth is they ignored Jesus just like they did. Ignoring things will not make them go away. Now, quickly, let's talk about Herod just a minute. Look at verses 3 and 4, and then let's look at verse 13 and 16. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled with all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And drop down with me to verse 13 and then verse 16. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Look at verse 16 now. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which is determined from the wise men. Two years old and under, killing all those little babies. Herod the Great, and I like the way that John A.T. Robertson refers to him. He doesn't call him Herod the Great. He calls him Herod the Great Pervert, and he really was. He was a ruthless, conniving maniac. If there's ever a special that comes on television about Herod the Great, I encourage you to watch it. The man was awful. He schemed with the emperor of Rome to make him king of the Jews. Now you understand now why he hated Jesus so much and opposed him so much. He was such a maniac, he killed anybody and everybody he perceived as a threat to his rulership, including his sons and including his wife. His favorite wife, he killed her out of a jealous rage and ended up almost going mad because he killed his favorite wife. But you see, for him, it did not matter who you were. As long as you were a threat to him, he would have you killed. But Jesus, consistent with his character, he feigned or pretended to want to worship Jesus. Just just tell me where he's at so I can go and worship him. Well, he's not interested in worship. He's interested in trying to kill him. You see, many are like that today. They claim to honor Christ, but when you look at their behavior, it's exactly the opposite. And in reality, they end up opposing Christ. Look at the politicians. They'll tell you how religious they are, but then look at their records. Look at the way they vote. Look at the policies they put forth. Look at their personal behavior. And you realize soon 
that's not who they are. Titus 1 and verse 16 says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. You can say it. That doesn't make it true. What makes it true is what you do. Jesus would respond in Luke 6 and verse 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? The truth is, is that many people oppose Christ because their agenda is different than the Lord's agenda. Now, the last one, Joseph and Mary. We're going to back up to Matthew chapter 1 in this case. We're going to go to verses 18 through verse 25, and then we'll look at a parallel in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So when all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and his bare son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You have the, the message announced to Joseph. Joseph, Mary is pure. Mary is a virgin. But Mary is conceived with something from the Holy Spirit. Luke's account tells us about what the angel said to Mary. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord... Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Both Joseph and Mary were more than eager to welcome Jesus into this world. You know, I often see parents, they conceive a child and they're excited because this little baby's about to be born. And as the time draws near, the excitement builds. It's, well, do you realize... Everything in the Old Testament, going back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is focusing on the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming. And now, through the angel, both to Mary and to Joseph, he's coming and they're eager to welcome this child. Good people will welcome the coming of Jesus. It's something to be excited about. Listen to Luke chapter 8 and verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they all were waiting for him. 
sometime this week, there will be many of people who know that their children are coming. And there will be a lot of excitement. Is that them? Is that the car? Have they arrived? There's a lot of excitement in the coming of Jesus. But I think about when Jesus comes again. Will you and I be excited to see Him or will we be fearful? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 14, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? Here's a key verse. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because the heavens being will be dissolving on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we look, according to His promise, for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, you see, we're, we're the kind of people excited to welcome the Lord again. Beautiful star of Bethlehem pointed to the location of Jesus. But you see, the truth is, the Bible today points men to Jesus. And what it does, just like that star that was in the sky said, here's where He is. Here is where to find Him. The Scriptures tell us, here's who Jesus is, here's where He is located, and here's how to find Him. Will you seek Him? Will you ignore Him? Will you oppose Him or will you welcome Him into your life? Just think about how Mary and Joseph's life changed once Jesus came into their family. I'll tell you one thing. You want to change a young couple's life? Let a baby be born. You'll never sleep the same again. You'll never do anything else the same again. But can you imagine in that home the changes that took place? Now I want you to think in your own life the changes that will take place if you find the Lord and you make sure that you honor Him and worship Him in your life. You can become a Christian by believing Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and being baptized. I checked this morning. The baptistry behind me, is water is warm, it's filled, there's garments that are ready. All you need to do is to say, I want to become a Christian, and we'll help you do that. If you're a Christian, you need to make some changes in your life. Now is the time. Right now is the time. We're going to sing the song... What will you do with Jesus? Would you come as we stand and sing?